everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Doublers Podcast. My guest this week is Eric Umbel. Eric is a clarinetist, a DJ, and the development and engagement manager for the Knights Orchestra in Brooklyn. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. It's so awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, you are definitely somebody that uh, really embodies sort of what I'm looking to showcase here is that you can have a whole career, you can have a full-time job, you can do all these things and you can still have a really cool music career and you don't, it's really not a binary where you have to pick one or the other. It's more of a yes and, if you will. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you, where you are right now and sort of a brief history of who is Eric Humble? Um, I am in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I've been in New York City since 2011. I moved here for school. I went to Manhattan School of Music where I met a whole bunch of your colleagues in, in Calliope Brass um, as well. And I stayed there for my master's degree. Um, I studied clarinet performance. Um, and after that, I stayed in the city. I think during my master's degree, I really started to focus on contemporary music. And so a, a really big portion of my freelance career was, was um, focused in contemporary music, uh, music by living composers, experimental mediums, um, improvisation. Um, I, I founded a lot of chamber groups, a quintet and a trio. We made some albums. Um, I am involved in the creation of two symphoniettas that I still work with today, Pink Noise Ensemble, uh, they focus on contemporary music, and uh, Wayfield. Um, and that's been really wonderful to be part of. So a big part of my career has been kind of based in these grassroots organizations that um, are started by artists um, and kind of push boundaries and explore, you know, electronic media and the cutting edge of what's going on in classical music right now. Um, so I did that for a while and I, I performed for a couple of years full time. Um, I took a few auditions, but I wasn't super interested in the orchestra track. I think by the time I finished my master's, I had just fallen so in love with New York City. I couldn't really imagine building a life anywhere else, um, which also kind of meant that I wasn't interested in taking an orchestra job somewhere else. You know, I wanted to be here. Um, and yeah, so after a few years of freelancing, I, I, this opportunity came up at the Knights um, to work in, in development. And it was a really hard decision. Um, and I decided to go for it. And so in January of 2019, I started that position. And I've been there almost two years now, I guess. So um, in January coming up, it'll be two years. Time flies. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and even though uh, the pandemic is, is wild right now, and, and that's made freelancing and making music hard for everyone, um, the job has been a great way to uh, explore some of my other skills, develop some new skills, and also have a career as a clarinetist and, you know, also explore other areas of artistry too with like DJing and electronic music. Um, right. So I do feel like I've been able to maintain a level of, of engagement um, in those areas of my life as well. So that, that's where I'm at, yeah. Can you describe a little bit more, you mentioned that taking the position with Knights was, was kind of a difficult decision. Can you describe what some of, the, some of the factors that you were weighing were at that time? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, performing full-time was, was really special and it was very important to me. And I, 
I definitely could see myself continuing on that path for multiple years, many, many years. If I, at that time, you know, I was like, I could keep doing this for 10 years. Um, but then I think I realized that uh, there would be an, an, a point down the road where I'd want to make that true, that I'd want to make the change. Um, and so part of me realized that if I made the change earlier, then I would have that much more experience to kind of build a life in the future that, that, you know, I aspired to build for myself and mm. got to work for the organizations that I wanted to work for instead of like continuing freelancing for X amount of years. And then, you know, having to start kind of at the beginning at that point. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a big, a big factor. And there was also the financial factor. I like cash flow was very stressful for me um, as a freelancer. You yes. never really know what you're going to get paid, right? You never really know how you're going to get paid. Um, and the summers were hard, you know. So I, I had a little credit card debt. And I just needed to figure out if I was going to on, like, constantly cater on chronic debt or um, kind of, you know, get out of that and, and change my primary income source. Um, yeah, so I, I, I made have, that decision, you know? There, yep, I have been there, my friend. <laughs> Minimum payments sound like such a great idea when the future is farther away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But there yeah. were other ways, you know, I think another really big consideration at that time was, do I want to take a part-time job? Because I had multiple part-time office jobs. Um, and I think those experiences, while they were really helpful, um, I just realized that like I was really ready to commit to an organization and to really commit to learning um, a trade, if you will. I don't know if fundraising is a trade, but like learning, right. learning these skills, like really. And I didn't feel like if um, working at an organization part time really gave me the opportunities to to grow in that in that in that regard. Yeah, it sounds like you wanted to invest a little bit more in an organization than you could as a part time part time person. Yeah. Yeah. You can only really grow so much if you're if you're part time. What were some of the part time jobs that you held that brought you on this path to where, when the opportunity with the nights opened, that you were that you had some qualifications? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, during my undergrad, I started working in the scheduling department at the Manhattan School of Music. So I worked there for I don't know, like five years or something. I I, I held that job for the majority of my time at school. Um, and then when I was a senior in college, I was a an admin for the American Modern Ensemble down on 43rd Street. So I did that for about a year and a half. And that was kind of um, a little bit of everything. I got my feet wet doing some grant writing and some donor management, acknowledgement letters, um, records, record keeping, um, concert production, that kind of stuff. So it was a really great experience. And following that, I worked in the Center for Music Entrepreneurship at Manhattan School of Music part-time after I finished my master's. And that was a little bit of a more serious position, um, but it was about 25 hours a week. So, I, you know, it was flexible enough for me to um, continue to freelance and have that have that stable income stream, which was really great. Right. Um, I also work at, I still, well, I still technically still work at the America Society. I do, I do um, uh, events for them, I work at the front desk. 
So I had been doing that for a really long time, and I still I, st I really like the job, so I'm still working there, and it's a great organization. Um, and I also worked for a hedge fund one day a week, um, doing office work. You know, really really small shop. It was just the the fund manager and an analyst, and then myself. Um, you know, destroying hard drives with hammers, um, and getting coffee. The security team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Security. Um, right. Yeah. So that was that was interesting too, and um, yeah. So then also, I think my experience just kind of running these ensembles and being involved in that. Um, yeah. I, I did a lot of kind of like self self produced stuff. Um, right. As, as a clarinetist, so that, that helped too, getting ready for this position. With some of those self-produced projects, what was, the, what was one of the earliest projects that you did? Like at what point were you when you, when you produced a project? Oh my goodness, well, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I think when I was struggling about the decision to be an admin, I was like, oh, well, I'm an artist. I could never sit at an office Sit, sit in an office and sit at a desk all day. I could never, I'm, I'm way too, <laughs> you know, artistic for that. Um, but then if I'm really honest with myself, I started organizing concerts when I was in high school. And even before in high school, I was always really excited about, even in middle school, I, I, I just like really enjoyed the logistics of making art happen. Um, and in, in high school, I contracted this orchestra um, that we did like Mozart Requiem and everyone volunteered. And I wrote to all of the, uh, professionals in the area and even got some really great uh soloists to come sing and everyone did it for free for charity so we raised all this money for charity and i did that a couple times did beethoven three did a whole bunch of chamber music concerts for charity so I, I i always really kind of enjoyed being the facilitator of those things um yeah. and so even though when i was trying to make the decision to work for the knights um and i was really tied to this idea of being a performer I think there's this like natural gravitation that I've had towards administrative work for a long time that I, uh, that I want to honor too. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so true. You know, it's easy to get caught up in your identity as I'm a performer, I'm an artist, I'm a musician, I'm not an office drone. How dare you? But, but then you kind of, I know, I know for myself, I started to realize, you know, like there are, there are people who are enabling that art to happen and, you can be part of some cool stuff and like almost scale your influence as an artist when you are part of an organization on that admin side. Cause yeah, you have all of this ability to help generate the energy to propel it forward as opposed to, um, you know, being one of the people in the chairs that make it happen after all that work has been done. Um, and both of those pieces are important. Like you're saying you have to honor both, both of those pieces, um, but one does not cancel out the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And how is it for you as, um, as an arts administrator who has this extensive performance experience, do you find that your experience as a performer informs decisions that you make as an administrator? That's a great question. I think um, the ability to, to speak about our work with foundations or artists or, or donors or other partners um, is of course informed by my experiences as a participant in the industry. And um, also just kind of having a, an understanding of what it means to be a freelance artist because the Knights are a project-based orchestra. So our, our artists have a lot of different 
um, things that keep them busy, the night's just one of them. So having that front in mind, front of mind when I'm writing a grant proposal or meeting with the donor or um, having a discussion with a prospective audience member um, is really helpful, I think. Uh, yeah, and just my own marketing for my own stuff has, has definitely helped with, with my marketing work for the nights. Although, uh, yeah, it's definitely doing it on a more institutionalized basis was, you know, I, I, it was, there was a learning curve there for sure. Writing in, in voice and, and the branding and style and tone, you know, it, it, it takes, takes some time to, to learn how to represent an organization um, that's bigger than yourself, of course. Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, did that answer your question? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, kind of maybe putting the brakes on a little bit, just in case some of our listeners aren't completely familiar with what a development um, and engagement manager might do. Can you describe some of your primary duties in that role and what a development professional is involved with? Sure, absolutely. Um, we're a really small team at the Knights. It's just the executive director and myself. So one of the benefits of working for such a small organization is that I kind of get to do a little bit of everything. I think in larger organizations, they, if you were a development officer, you'd be more focused into kind of one area. But um, I, I manage the, our institutional funding, our government funding, and um, our individual giving programs. And um, that involves stewardship and cultivation um, through events and through our marketing and through um, individual outreach and you know proposals so it's it's it not only is it raising money but i also do the the the, the marketing as well and external messaging yeah. cool cool so, so you i think yeah you'd have like a marketing director or like a director of individual giving they would just do individual giving or a director of institutional giving they would just do institutional giving or director of major gifts i mean people set it up very differently but it's it's pretty eclectic that's awesome so you're kind of ma managing all of those different pieces of institutional giving, individual giving, and also the messaging of the ensemble as a whole, just the marketing voice. That's very cool. Have you, um, as far as preparing yourself outside of just life experience and marketing yourself, um, have, you, have you done any courses or have you done any sort of um, learning things to, to teach yourself about marketing? Oh my, I wish. Um, no, <laughs> I didn't have... I didn't have a ton of formal training. Um, I think the most helpful classes that I took in college were my writing courses. Um, and those were at the University of Kansas before I went to Manhattan School of Music. I took some really great writing classes. Um, and at Manhattan School of Music, we did have some great music entrepreneurship stuff that was super helpful. Um, but I do think the one area that I wish I have background in that I don't is accounting. Um, and I'm learning, you know, by, by seeing it happen, but it's mm -hmm. definitely something that if you're at least involved on the business end of running an ensemble, it's, uh, it's really important. Bridget, my colleague Bridget is incredible at it. So it's, it's really cool to see how artfully she moves through our audit every year and, um, all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely an area that I wish that I had background in and I'm excited to learn more about. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So it sounds like you still, um, I mean, we always all have something to learn, but it sounds like not only are you able to perform this job and enjoy using these skills that you already have, but there's room for you to grow in the organization 
and that you're able to continue acquiring those skills. And those skills might translate into your other projects because those who understand the money <laughs> usually have a lot of power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, nonprofit finance is, is, I don't find it to be very intuitive at the end of the day. So there's a lot of, a lot of weird considerations and yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. very interesting. Even just the word nonprofit, I think, can be kind of hard to wrap your brain around because you're like, well, we can't make money on anything. And then you're like, but wait a second. <laughs> like, this is still a business. <laughs> Hold on. It's still a corporation. Metropolitan nonprofit, you know, millions of dollars a year. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so obviously right now with, you know, this whole COVID thing, um, things are probably a little bit different, but pre back in, back in the days of yore, um, how, what were some of the ways that you would balance performing and gigs with your other positions? Like what kind of, cause I think for a lot of folks, they think of a full-time job and they think you have to be in an office from nine to five and to get out involves like PTO and it's a very rigid structure. Um, has that been your experience or have you, or have you seen something else? Yeah, it's, it's always a balance. And of course, my, my top priority is, is my job. So not only do I want to make sure that I'm in the office and able and ready to take on what I want need to take on, but um, I want to make sure that I have the energy to do a good job when I'm, when I'm in the office too. So um, really being mindful of like what I need to be successful on a day-to-day basis. And maybe that means not taking the, the, the gig that requires me to really run myself I get that week, depending on what that is. Um, so definitely that's a factor. My job <clears throat> was really generous and offered a level of comp time for me. So there were, since I manage events, there are multiple times a year where I'll work more than 40 hours a week. And in those instances, then I can take that time and apply it to other weeks as, as you know, as time that I can take off. Um, right. So uh, that was really useful because I was totally fine putting in a 60 hour week for our, or a 70 hour week for our, our, our annual benefit. But then, you know, maybe there's an opportunity the following week to, um, you know, take a performance that has a rehearsal during the middle of the day, then there's a little bit of flexibility there. I've, I'm very lucky. Not, not all organizations are so flexible, but um, that, that has been, that has been really great. Um, but my, my supervisors are also of the mindset that, it's really important for her that I just do a good job and get the work done. She doesn't really care how or when or, you know, where that happens. Right. Um, So that's also really helpful too, because um, I know at this point, I know what I need to do to do a good job and to get the, to get the work done. So it's a matter of just making sure I'm setting myself up for success. Um, yeah, I definitely have a hard time saying no to things still. So I, I always kind of try and make make it work. Um, and there were definitely some instances over the last year and a half where I was I was like really tired. <laughs> um, but and it's it's hard because there like a lot of these opportunities like I legitimately want them. You know, like I want to I want to make this music and perform. But the the other side of that is that you know I I I do, it does take a little bit more effort for me to feel to feel good and feel in shape because I'm not playing 12 hours a day or whatever. Um, so that, that's a little, that's like an added, an added stress in some ways um, to feel like I'm, I'm competently performing the music at the level I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think 
oh, the, the parallel point to that is the biggest surprise to me is that you don't forget how to play your instrument. And I think, I think there's this sense that if you stop doing it full time, that you're just going to like forget. Right. Um, and you don't, I mean, like we've been doing this <laughs> for the majority of our lives and professionally for a really good portion of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe sometimes it takes a little bit for it to come back and feel good, but like these skills are not going to go away. I mean, maybe if you don't touch your instrument for three years, there might be some something going on there. But I did take some serious time off this summer for a variety of reasons and came back to some recording work in September and October. And, you know, at the end of the day, it felt it felt pretty good. So um, I think we can all be kind to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a topic of interest. I had a few questions that people submitted um, and some of the things that people wanted to know were how much practice do you find keeps you in shape and does that fluctuate week to week and what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it just depends on if I have, if I have a lot of gigs going on or not. Um, if I do, that certainly helps just because you're playing more. Um, but if I don't, then that certainly needs to be, if I want to feel a certain level of, in, of, of uh, preparedness and like ready mm-hmm. to go at any time and being in shape and demand over my instrument, then yeah, like having, having that consistency is I think important, but I don't think necessarily the, uh, I, I would rather for myself practice like 20 minutes a day than, than like practice for three hours on a Saturday and then not play for three weeks, you know? Do you find that you're able to squeeze in practice time like on lunch breaks or before or after work? Like what does that schedule look like for you? It's normally after work for me. Um, and that, that's, been, that's been working pretty well. I often teach after work too. I have some students mm-hmm. still online. So that's also like a natural I teach a lesson and then, you know, get inspired to play scales myself. Right. <laughs> then go do the thing you just told them to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That can be, I mean, I know for myself, that can be a little bit of a, a challenge sometimes because sometimes you get to the end of the workday and you're just like, this is the last thing I want to do right now. <laughs> so. I mean, but that's okay too. I think that's also, yeah. it's also okay to like, you know, give yourself that, that time. <laughs> Right. Give yourself permission to to have that day or that week. What does a typical month look like for you as far as, you know, weeks that you're at work or maybe you're doing events just for just for the nights and for your what you're doing there? And then, you know, how many projects or rehearsals or however you want to quantify it, would you say that you're involved in in a typical month? And then compared to maybe when you were performing full time, like, do you find that there's a significant decrease or that it kind of hasn't changed in a way? Um, I think I would, um, in the, in the before times, before COVID, I I would have, I would have maybe three or four concerts a month. Um, but they weren't, they weren't like the beautiful thing about these concerts is they were very often not just gigs. Like they were concerts I really cared about. So it was like Mm -hmm. concerts of like repertoire that I've really felt deeply about and was with people that I really cared about, which is again, the beauty of having a job, being able to have discretion over some of those things. Um, and so three or four concerts of like serious repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it was. I, of course the summers were always slower, but um, right. Yeah. Compared to no, when I was performing full time, it was much, it was crazy. I mean, because it was kind of everything I was, I was hustling so hard, just trying to get, um, just trying to make ends meet, you know, just like always just 
always working. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Do you find the balance is better? Yeah. In this context? For me, personally. Some people love the, love the, the hustle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something fun about it. There's something fun about having every week be slightly different and to have a different commute all the time and to be in different parts of the city and to see different people. Um, that's, that's great. I think that's beautiful. I just, for myself, I, this is much, much better for me. Yeah. There was something really, I mean, for me, one of the big, not that like health insurance is the end all be all of your existence as a person or an artist, but as soon as I didn't have to think about that anymore, I just felt this burden lifted and I was like, I do want to play the horn. (laughs) This sounds like a fun idea. Yeah, it's not this cause of stress. Our system is set up this way, uh, but um, it's definitely a consideration. Yeah, and so for you, have you found that some of those bigger ticket, like adult items, um, are a little bit more on autopilot now that you're not freelancing, like things like health insurance and retirement and all that sort of thing? I I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time managing my finances, and it's a little. I, I think it's it's a little ridiculous because. I, my finances are not that complicated. So like, I, I don't know why, like we live in society that requires me to spend as much time on my finances as I do every month. Maybe it's just me being crazy, but, um, but I think I'm also just like used to kind of functioning so close to the poverty line that um, uh, I'm just like really trying to set myself up well. So um, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on it. I still spend a lot of time on it now. It's just a different kind of strategy instead of like, um, how do I, get rid of this credit card debt it's like right how do I save for retirement um which is you know again that alleviates a level of ambient stress for me because um yeah I was stressed about I was stressed out about that like not being able to yeah and I like that word ambient stress that's like that's gonna be the word of the week for me (laughs) because yeah because it's so descriptive and it's so true I mean that's that describes many years of my life, <laughs> ambient stress. Exactly. And I think a lot of us like interface with that in different ways. Um, but, you know, as we get older too, we go to conservatory and we, we, even if we have like a sense of what it's going to be like when we're out, I think for all of us to actually go out and do it, um, you know, we learn kind of, we learn about who we are and like how, how that works with, our goals and our values and our mental health and like our personalities. And um, it's okay to like make adjustments, you know, like I think we're just, we're often educated in this kind of like very purist um, expression of what it means to be a successful Mm -hmm. artist. Um, Yeah. So, and you know, it's also like things change so quickly, like a generation ago, it was so different too. So it's, it's, it's a different world now, you know. It sure is. And now this year it's an even more different one. <laughs> so yeah. It's hard to know what it's gonna look like at the end of this. Yeah, it really is, for sure. For sure. Um, do you have any advice for like students or people who are at the earlier part of their careers, um, who might be kind of looking around at the situation and thinking Maybe they need to make a pivot. Maybe they need to find another secondary skill that they can rely on for a little while while things recover, that sort of thing. Do you have any advice for people who are at the beginning stages? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, my sister always told me to 
make career decisions not based around my own ideas of where I want to be and career-wise, but based around my, my human values. Um, so thinking about, uh, do I want to be someone who's around and flexible in my schedule or do I want to be someone who's like always on the road, always on adventures, building relationships all over the place? Um, do I want to be someone that is able to make art at the highest level and um, be ready and able to, to play any repertoire um, just and just like knock it out of the park and, and, you know, take opportunities that I dreamed of when I, when I was a kid and continue to dream of, or um, am I okay kind of tempering, tempering that a little bit and still having meaningful artistic experiences for um, the ability to just like, you know, be involved in my community or um, be involved in my family, really invest in, 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 in friendships in a way that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I, if I, you do, it's just different. Like you, you have, you see right. a lot of people and when you're freelancing full time, you have like a lot of different relationships, um, which is beautiful. And I, and I do miss that very much. Um, but yeah, so like what kind of day-to-day schedule do you want? Sometimes we don't know. Like sometimes we don't, <laughs> we don't know how it feels to be a freelancer. We don't know how it feels to sit at a desk or to have that kind of structured delineation. But are you someone that likes structure? Are you someone that can't deal with structure? Do you know if you're someone that likes structure? Have you tried it? Um, <laughs> oh yeah, just like thinking about thinking about our like what our values are, um, and then thinking about building a life that facilitates the values um, was really helpful for me to frame it that way because I was so attached to like my ego as being a clarinetist um, mm-hmm. that it was hard for me to to get to to reorient that. Your sister always has good advice. She <laughs> does have good advice. She's I very. Agree. That sounds exactly like something she would say. <laughs> Shout out to Kate. Kate's in my quintet and has given me lots of great advice. <laughs> That's a really good. And that, and and I know for myself, I get very focused on like practical details of like what skills do I need? How much does it pay? What am I going to have to do? But like having that zoomed out look of does it align with what I want to do as a person <laughs> is really useful and helps you make that decision. Um, I can see how that would help make a decision a little bit less, um, maybe maybe feel more in line with you, even though it's sort of out, out of line with what your ego is telling you about being a musician or a clarinetist in this case, like still aligning that with you as a person. But yeah, I mean, so it sounds like you've been involved in a lot of a lot of different projects. Um, what are you doing right now during this whole COVID thing? Um, I'm so trying so hard not to say unprecedented time because I'm so tired of hearing that phrase, <laughs> um, and I'm sure everyone is. Um, so you know. Obviously, your your job at the Knights, you're continuing to do that job. You're doing a little bit of teaching online. Um, what about some of these other projects that you're involved with? What have what have those projects or ensembles done right now, and and what are they what are they doing during this time? Yeah, um, Pink Noise is a really interesting recording session with Jesse Cox, um, a piece that he wrote for us 
that'll come out soon. Um, it's like a video and an audio recording, which is going to be really exciting. Wavefield had this really, really special recording session out at a parking garage at Montclair University, um, which was really okay. fun. You know, I wish I had known about that. I'm so close to Montclair. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was great. Um, and that that was really special. And then I'm also involved in this um, trio or quartet, really, um, for flute, clarinet, electronics, and light. Um, it's this piece called Song Sessions. It's all um, it's all improvised, but structured based on whale songs and um, how whales structure their their improvisations over over years sometimes so we we've been we did a, a, a whole bunch of recordings of that um, with lighting design down in Maryland um, in October so that's that's really that's been really fun and we'll continue to do that too so that's been great and then also um, DJing has been a huge part of my musical um, experience since I got this job in part because I think I actually when I took the job with the Knights, I actually had um, a little more freedom to explore mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't before because, um, you know, I don't, I don't make a ton of money doing that, but it's, it's really very special to me. And um, I think before with the financial considerations and where I was freelancing, it just would have been less feasible. Like if I got a gig right. that paid, then I had to do that you know right Um, right but that's been incredible and I don't think I would have had the freedom even as an artist to allow myself to really explore this as fully if I didn't have um if I you know if I didn't well maybe maybe not I don't know who knows but I, I do think I do think having the job allowed me a little bit more space to kind of explore my artistry beyond clarinet um mm. because we are musicians first right right and our, we have a medium but like we we can explore our musicianship in so many ways and even if you're someone who's trained at a very high level in a certain instrument that doesn't mean that um there aren't other areas of, you, of your musicianship and your musicality that you can't explore and for me playing a single line instrument like the clarinet having the opportunity to to go and explore polyphony and long forms um, and not have to worry about my face, you know, having the same considerations, the breathing and everything. Right. Being play for four hours and, or six hours even, um, is just a really, really cathartic experience for me because clarinet is so limited in that regard. Um, right. Uh, so it's been, it's been amazing. And also the, the space that it facilitates is so different and the kinds of music lovers that, I interface with are, are very different, but at the same time that we're all coming from the same place and we all have a lot of the same connections and through lines. So, yeah, you know, there's been some DJing. I've, there's been a little bit of producing. I'd like to, I'd like to get more into production, but um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on. That's so cool. It's so, that's, it's something that I think is easy to forget that like, if you're, if you're in a different medium, um, you don't have to think about chops. You don't have to think about your face. <laughs> like, the computer's doing it all for you. And yeah, not. I can't say that I have DJing experience, but one time at one of my company retreats, someone let me play with their DJ equipment, and it was the most fun thing. That's it amazing. Was so much fun. Yeah, and I did a... Um, what did I do? I'm, I'm going to blank now, but... 
Oh, right at the in Bohemian Rhapsody, right as they kind of come to that peak moment towards the end, um, I put in dun 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 dun. Uh, what was it? Get low or Nelly or something? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh! And just really just exploded. People were just like, "What?" And it was so much fun. But like, that's something that you can't do playing the French horn. You're like, that's that's not. Oh yeah, it's so different. Yeah, you'll never get that kind of reaction from people. <laughs> so, I know what you mean about freelancing, like feeling like you can't tie up a night that might have money in it with something that has, you know, you're going to hesitate to take a $50, $50 gig on a Friday night because that might cut out a whole week series of something that you might get later. And yeah, and it's hard to commit to those things. So yeah, it's it's kind of funny in a way like these these positions or these jobs that feel like they might be restricting freedom actually give more in their own kind of way. Absolutely. And I mean, completely not related to performing, but like vacation is a huge deal because as you were just saying, like it's really hard to take time and like reserve time for yourself because so often, so often something will come up that'll pay for Mm -hmm. you well. And then you just got to, you got to make a decision, you know? Yeah. Um, so not vacation aside too, like just clarity in time, clarity of time, knowing when I'm going to be on, when I'm going to be off, um, being able to take, take time. I mean, it, that's just been, that's been a huge deal. So one might say, oh, well, you're working, you're working very hard, like all day. That's a lot of time. You don't have any other time. Like you're just done for the day at six o'clock. It's like you're done for the day. Yes. But, um, it's delineated time and Mm -hmm. you know exactly when you're going to be done. Whereas before (laughs) there were some weeks that were a little bit too busy and some weeks that were uh, not busy enough. You know what I mean? Right. Right. A little bit more of like a cycling like this. And then now you've got a little bit more of a a steady line. Consistent. (laughs) I don't know. I know for myself, I, you know, that that has really been big. It's been big for me to being able to even just concentrate as an artist and think about like, what do I want to do? Like something like this, like starting this podcast, I didn't have to worry about is all the work that I'm going to put in, is it going to pay dividends as far, you know, money wise, is this going to compensate me enough for my time that it's worth doing or should I fill it with other things as a freelancer? And now I can be like, whatever, I get the same amount of money every two weeks in my bank account and then everything else is extra. Exactly. (laughs) I think, I mean, that's, that's what stability is, right? The ability to plan, the ability to project, and then, and then you can, you can make those decisions and it's it's really helpful. Yeah. 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 There is something artistically liberating about it, even though it can feel like you're trapping yourself into something that is going to constrain being an artist. Well, this seems like a good place to, to sort of wrap up. Do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with, with people who are either at that decision point right now or they're thinking you know I'm a student I'm coming towards the end of my studies I'm looking at the world and realizing that you know the music industry has been really hard hit by everything that's going on and it'll take a few years to get back to normal but they don't want to necessarily like go in a totally different direction do you have any any last thoughts or advice yeah actually I I think something that I had a misconception about when I was a professional artist full-time was that all office jobs were kind of created equal, you know? And if I was choosing Mm -hmm. to be an administrator, I was choosing 
I was choosing to be like, it was like an administrator with a capital A, like it was all the same, you know, um, an office job. <laughs> right. You know? It's like, but they're not all the same. They're not all the same. And um, I think there is so much diversity in the kind of work that, that goes on um, inside and outside of the arts that uh, you can find something that if you're interested in, in doing administrative work, I think you can really find something that, that is fulfilling and um, you enjoy. Um, I really love relationships. And so I think development is really well suited for me because it's all about family and being a steward of, of these relationships um, and representing an organization. Um, some people really like the nitty gritty and they would mm -hmm. be really great at, at finance or doing concert operations. Some people are really creative and love writing and would be great ideators for, for marketing and writing copy and um, strategizing content releases and, you know, developing partnerships with um, cross promotion um, outlets, other, other media outlets and, and that kind of thing, doing PR, being an agent for an artist. I mean, there's just, there's just so much diversity there. So, um, you know, it's, it's not all the same. So I, I, I say just cast a wide net and um, try things out, you know? Yeah. Just give it a go. Give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Cause it's true. It, they're not all created equal and I've had crummy office jobs and I've had great office jobs and you know, it's, it's like anything else. You just, you got to try the dating pool, see what you like. And not be afraid, like you're saying, not be afraid of, you know, that that ego sort of driven, is this going to take away from me as an artist? We're all, we have spent so much time on our craft, we've spent so much time acquiring these skills. If you don't practice for a week, you, you don't revert into, you know, muggle form or something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you make a really good point, too, that um, if there is a pivot if we use the word pivot, um, I've, I've been really trying to reframe this in my head as not a change, but as mm -hmm. a continuation of my career. Um, and I think even in your interviews, that's helpful to frame it that way too, because it's not all of the experience that you've had that's led you to this point. It's all one career. Everything is valuable. All your experiences are valuable. So um, I think if we also, it's just more empowering that way too, instead of right. feeling like, Oh, I failed. I've changed. I've gone a different direction. I've moved on. Right. It's all, it's all the same. I mean, you know, you, you might just be spending your time a little bit differently, but your experiences all led you to this place. Right. Yeah. I think that's really valuable advice. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation and it's great to catch up with you because I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> yeah you too so and, good to see you thanks for doing yeah that's awesome yeah awesome well thank you so much and uh and that's all for today awesome thanks Aaron. Yeah.